This is Wraith from Wraith Rain. I'm an author of serialized gay romance fiction. Every week on this podcast, I'll be reading a chapter from one of my gay fantasy shifter serials called Dragon's Rain. I'll explain at the break how you can find out more about the story and others I write. So let's get to it. Chapter 93 Behemoth I don't know if that went well at all, Caden admitted about the interviews, as he and Valerius walked arm in arm towards the dining room for a well-earned meal. You did remarkably well, Valerius assured him, rubbing the back of Caden's clasped hand with his thumb. Really? Caden's eyebrows rose. I thought maybe I overdid it with the equal justice stuff. Oh, so, Valerius asked. I thought you presented your ideas quite admirably. He had done that. He'd talked at length, he'd done what he thought was right, but he was now seeing how anything he said or did was going to have consequences well beyond what he intended or even contemplated. It was making him a bit paranoid. Maybe that wasn't quite a bad thing. With his free hand, Caden scrubbed the back of his neck. Well, it's just not been a thing that you and the other dragon shifters have talked about openly. I didn't want to make it seem like I was criticizing you guys. I know that what I was saying was hardly revolutionary. You all clearly have been thinking about it. Maybe, maybe you didn't say anything about it for a reason. In a way, it was revolutionary. What you just did, and I'm sure the other dragon shifters, will have something to say about it, Valerius remarked. Caden groaned. I really wasn't calling anyone out. No, but even if you were, you're allowed. You're our equal, Caden, Valerius said. Yeah, but you guys have a lot more experience under your belt about what to and not to say. And it's not like this issue is easy, Caden ripped at his hair. The more he thought about it, there were pitfalls around every corner. And yet, he wanted to make it a focus of the things he did. He felt deeply that things had to change. He would need people around him that had ideas about how to make that happen. Wally and Rose were just a start. No, they never are. But this one is well taken on. We're partly in this mess because we've never discussed it openly. All of us have recognized the problem of inequality. We thought to let it just work out. Valerius stated with a twist of his lips. Instead, it festered, and people with ill intent took advantage of our silence. The faith has always explained that the spirits are above interfering in those types of human affairs, his mother pointed out. His family was walking behind them. They were all to have dinner with the other dragon shifters. His mom and Rose had been talking and laughing, which Caden was grateful for, because the questions his mom had gotten during the interview had been tough, and she'd been unsure of herself. Religion had always been a relatively quiet thing for his mother, absent the dancing and singing, but now she was going to be asked loads of questions about what she thought about the faith and where it should go. They had all been warned about this before the interviews, but somehow hearing the questions and having to put forward the answers on the spot had really driven home his mother's new prominence in her religion. Caden wondered if she wanted such responsibility, but she was the mother of the ninth dragon shifter, so unless she left the faith entirely, and wouldn't that cause headlines, she was stuck with it. And now she was touching on something that was rather crucial. How much should shifters get into the weeds of human affairs? But it's not just humans. It's shifters versus humans, and shifters versus shifters, and humans versus humans. You've been around more shifters now, Ellen, Rose said gently. You can't still really believe that we're some kind of enlightened beings, can you? We're just as human and fallible as anyone. 
His mother's forehead furrowed. I don't know. I would say, and don't be mad, but I've always believed the human side of the shifter got in the way. Caden snorted. I guess that's one way of putting it. I admit, Iolera might have better ideas than I do, but it just doesn't always express them. Raziel is so much more vocal. Raziel used to just mutter about doing away with anyone that annoyed us, but it has been quite a bit more talkative lately in a positive tone. But still, Raziel wants to simply go to a mountain peak with Iolaire and ignore everyone. I suppose ignoring is better than roasting, Valeria stated. They truly are in love? his mother asked. Your dragons, that is. Oh yeah, Caden told her with an infectious grin. Even now, he felt the love between the black and white dragons, without checking in on where they were. They're cuddled around one another, though they've stirred a bit with hunger, but they do things like stare into each other's eyes, admire each other's prowess, and Raziel has spouted some very good lines recently about moonlight and starlight captured in Iolair's scales. His mother's own eyes widened even as her lips parted in awe. Really? That's so... so romantic. Raziel is quite the wordsmith of love. Valerius snorted a little as he said this. A warrior poet, it appears. Iolaire more expresses itself in images than words. I wonder if it will get better with speaking over time, Caden said. I'm so jealous of how you guys get to talk to your spirits and they talk back, Rose said with a faint frown. Though I've been trying to listen to mine to see if maybe I've just been thinking so loud that I haven't heard it. And have you heard anything? His mother asked, eyes wide. Rose actually looked a little shy. Well, yeah. Caden's eyebrows rose. Really? What's it saying? Like Iolaire, it doesn't really speak in words, but more images. Rose explained almost tentatively, but then added, There are times when I think I hear the rustle of winds through plants when there's no wind, or smell flowers when there are none nearby, or feel the sun on my face when I'm in the below and there's no light to be had. I've thought in those moments that my spirit has been trying to show me that I'm connected to the world around me, not separated and apart like most people see swarm shifters. That's lovely, Rose. His mother kissed Rose's cheek. Rose blushed and ducked her head. I don't know. Maybe that's just what I wish my spirit is saying. But then again, maybe I'm right. You're not alone, kid. Wally chirruped from where he and Tilly were walking just beside them. I've thought I've heard old Radicus telling me a few things in my day. Old Radicus? Tilly's eyebrows lifted. That's the name of my spirit. Wally lifted his chin. When silence fell, he sighed and said, well, that's what I call my spirit, since it hasn't properly introduced itself like yours has, Caden and Valerius. Fair enough, and it does fit, Caden said with a smirk. He was imagining a rat with the same bald pate and round body as Wally squeaking its words of wisdom. He had to bite his inner cheek to stop from laughing. Anyways, Back in the day when I was deep in my life of crime, I would get these sixth sense moments where I would just know something was up. My whiskers would quiver and my tail would lift. There was a moment when everyone was undoubtedly imagining a lifting tail as Caden saw plenty of suppressed laughter and smiles on people's faces. Seemingly unaware of the amusement, Wally rolled on. A whole shudder would go through my body from the tip of my nose to the end of my tail and I would get the hell out of there. That was Radicus telling me that things weren't right, and I can tell you that my spirit never got it wrong. I would hear later that the claw had raided that area just moments after I escaped, not to mention I avoided alliances with those who would have stabbed me in the back. Nowadays, I get those feelings when a manufacturer is trying to upcharge me too high on merch. Sounds like Radicus is helpful, Caden couldn't help his grin. 
Do you think Rodicus likes to be on the side of law and order? His father asked Wally. Wally stroked his mustache. Rodicus likes being on top, and we are most certainly on top of the merch business. He thumped one pudgy fist against his other palm. I'm surprised reporters didn't ask about how your merch business is some kind of conflict of interest in being my counselor, Caden sighed and let his head fall back. Valerius massaged his neck. Oh, they will. Don't you worry. Today was just the start of their interest in you. Oh, God, that sucks, Caden admitted. With great power comes great responsibility, kid, Wally said. You did not just steal that line from Spider-Man, Rose poked Wally in the stomach. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, Wally avoided her poke. You totally did, Tilly laughed. But it's true, even if it is appropriated. Wally's mustache quivered, much like his whiskers must have back in the day. But I'm rather surprised they didn't either. My bad old days are rather hidden, but my current business clearly isn't. They went after your dad. Wally jerked his head back towards where his father and Shioni were deep in discussion about some point about any conflicts he might have serving as law clerk to Justice St. John, with his father being very adamant that his role had to be as transparent as possible. The last thing I want is to undermine the court, his father insisted. Justice St. John always has a plan, Grant, Keone stated. You know that. There is no argument that he hasn't encountered in his life. He knew the scrutiny you joining his staff would bring. Yes, his father sighed. The good and the bad. My role on his staff will continue to encourage humans to seek a career in the law and for raven shifters to take note that they must mentor their human partners and associates appropriately. It was part of the reason I took the position. Yes, ah, look, the court has already sent out a press release. Shoni showed her tablet to his father who glanced at it. His eyebrows rose and he nodded in appreciation at whatever was written. You were right, Shoni. He really has been thinking about this. Indeed, and it's clear the respect he has for you. He cited your law review articles, your recent casework, everything, and stated quite affirmatively that your role helps him more than it helps you. He wants your perspective. The fact that you are the father of the ninth dragon shifter is important. Did you know that you can get some of my gay romance books for free? Every month, I have at least one book free to download, right from Amazon, so you can easily read it on any device. But these books can only be free for five days at a time. If you don't want to miss out, just sign up for my mailing list, and I'll send you an email whenever there's a free book available. The link to the sign-up form is in the description down below. Caden lost track of their conversation as Tilly's laughter bubbled up. She and Wally were joking about her, I hate you, to Lisa Yang. Did you think it was immature, Wally? I mean, I did shout it out at her like we were in the schoolyard, Tilly admitted. You got her attention, kid, and no one can doubt that you love and protect your big brother, Wally assured her. Ms. Yang won't ask those types of questions with you around. It was just so unfair. I mean, of course, Caden feels awful about those people. Everybody does. But it was an accident and he's doing his best, she said stoutly. You were great, Tilly, Caden assured her. But I guess reporters really aren't supposed to be fair. They're supposed to ask the hard questions. They admitted to the dining room where they were meeting the other dragon shifters. Even with the doors closed, Caden could smell the ham, roast beef, chicken and savory sides. His stomach audibly grumbled as Valerius opened the doors for them. 
Here is the thing about reporters that you must prepare yourself for, Caden, which is that it does not matter in many respects what you say. The press ought to be taken out back and killed, Larian said around a mouthful of lamb that he'd torn off with his teeth from a bone as they stepped inside. We don't do that here, Alarian, Caden frowned at the green dragon shifter. Alarian shrugged as he licked lamb juice off his fingers. Eh, just wait to see how they twist that interview you just did. Already they are making things up. A dead reporter tells no lies. That's because a dead reporter is dead, Tilly pointed out dryly as she took in Alarian. The green dragon shifter was standing near a sideboard that was groaning with food. He picked up another lamb chop and greasy fingers as he regarded Tilly. He thrust the lamb chop towards her. You were the one who expressed your hatred towards the rudest reporter, Alarian said. Tilly crossed her arms over her chest. Um, maybe? Why deny it? You were brilliant. He shook the lamb chop at her, which nearly splattered her dress with grease. Are you done being a barbarian, Alarian? Esme asked Riley as she drew Tilly out of grease range. Never! Not if it means I must tolerate the questions of impertinent and disrespectful reporters. Larian devoured the lamb chop with relish. Since his mouth was too full to speak, Esme got a word in edgewise and saved Tilly. Go get yourself something to nosh on. I do have to say that Valerius knows good food. Thank you, Queen Esme. Tilly curtsied like a pro, which got her a pat on the head before Tilly scooted off back to their parents. Esme then turned to Caden and said, You did very well, Caden. Again, Caden wanted to ask, really? But instead, he nodded and smiled. It could have been worse. Always, for certain, Esme nodded back. The thing is that you got across the type of person you are. The press will try to skin every single word, look and gesture down to its core to see if there was some disguise. But the audience will mostly take you on face value. And what they saw was a thoughtful young man who understands the position that many people are in today. Caden blinked. That made what he'd done sound quite a bit better than spout off problems without any solutions. You were quite inspirational, Jahara said as she glided over to them, looking elegant and noble. She had a plate of fruit and cheese in her hands, purple grapes so dark that their skins were almost black, white cheddar that crumbled when she touched it, creamy blue cheese that she smeared on some dried apricots, and walnuts that looked to be sugared. Thanks. Those are great compliments coming from both of you. Caden bobbed his head. And very well earned. Valerius kissed his temple. I will get us some wine. Sit and talk with them. Caden reluctantly let the black dragon shifter go, but he was parched and hopefully Valerius would grab them some food. On the sideboard, besides the lamb chops that Alarian seemed to think were solely for him, were succulent glazed hams, crispy skinned roast chickens, two turkeys overloaded with stuffing prime ribs studded with garlic and rosemary and sliced thin with au jus and horseradish sauce and platters of steaks at all degrees of doneness and those were just some of the meat courses roast mashed and au gratin potatoes filled between the meat courses refreshing salads with tomatoes cucumbers and mint overflowed bowls green and white asparagus were dressed with lemony yellow hollandaise maple glazed carrots glistened next to piles of bacon and brussels sprouts his mouth watered. He turned back to Esme as she began to explain her thinking. You have something that we do not, a closeness and perception to what it is like being human in this age, Esme said as she sipped from a perspiring glass of white wine. Young people especially will look to you for support. 
the fact that you see their problems, had their problems not all that long ago, will aid you in knowing where you want to put your energy. If you have the youth, you have the future, Jahara agreed. Kayla came over to them. She had a whole deep fried fish on a plate and was pulling off flaky white fish with her fingers. It smelled so good that Caden almost reached for it himself. She offered to share it. Have some. Valerius's chef has tons more, Kayla said. Caden did not have to be asked twice, and he pulled off some of the lovely fish that melted in his mouth. It was lemony and spicy, too. He took off another hunk, finishing the one side. Kayla turned it over so they could devour the other. So what did you think of my interview? Caden asked her. Reporters talk too much, Kayla shrugged. Caden suppressed a smile. You don't mind what I said? Kayla's eyebrows rose, and he wondered if she'd even listened to the reporters. Um, it was fine? Jahara let out a soft laugh while Esme sniffed, or more like snorted. But she was so ladylike. When she did that, it could have been a sniff. Just about other people feeling bad about where they are in life and not having opportunities. Ah, it doesn't matter, Caden said. Kayla bobbed her head. Oh, it was good to give people hope. To show them clear seas that they can swim in. But there's always a bigger fish. What do you mean? Caden asked her. That no matter where you are, there is always someone who has more than you. Another shrug, but this time it was almost eloquent. So one must have happiness, even if that bigger fish exists. I guess I see what you mean, Kate nodded. Kayla lifted the now defleshed fish with a grin. But at least we can eat the smaller ones. I'll have the chef prepare us another. She then turned on her heel and hurried off. Caden licked his fingers regretfully of the remnants of fish. May and Tez started towards him then. When they caught sight of the others at the corner of their eyes, they each hurried forward. May seemed to let Tez get ahead. When she stuck a foot out, he nearly went down. She giggled even as Tez glared and narrowed his eyes at her. But then he just shook his head and they both approached at a sedate pace. Tez gave Caden a one-armed hug. He had a plate of chicken and potatoes in front of him. The chicken skin was a golden brown and studded with spices. The potatoes looked crisp and delicious. There was a white truffle mayonnaise beside them. He could have just gone to get food himself, but Caden felt he needed to talk to the other dragon shifters first about the interview and what he had done. I don't need permission, Caden reminded himself, but I do want their thoughts. You were brilliant. I clapped when you talked of inequality. When people lose hope of advancement, of feeding their families, or even having one of their own, their lives turn to ashes, Tez sighed. May sighed too and shook her head. Tez, haven't you learned that most of the oppressed world would eagerly become the oppressors given half a chance? There will always be a top and a bottom. It's when the middle gets hollowed out that there's a problem as the gap is too large. Tez frowned. In a true egalitarian society, all would have their basic needs met. Everyone who wished to could pursue what they are best at. Without want and lack of basics, society could become better. He used the words wished to. May pointed out with a sniff of derision. Many do not wish to do anything. And why should they? Life is about beauty and enjoying yourself. One need not work to find happiness. Often people work to afford their happiness. We should remove that. Tez said. But what about those who simply work harder or smarter than everyone else? May pushed back. Shouldn't they be rewarded for that? Should they have to carry those who do not wish to work on their back? Rewarded? Yes. But with so much, they could not spend it even one of our mortal lifetimes? Tez spreads his arms wise. While others go without basics like clean water and ample food and a roof over their head? 
Inequality destroys societies. The poor will rise up. If the poor cannot get themselves out of the position they are in, I hardly think we're in danger of them putting together an uprising. May waved a hand through the air. But May, people are rising up, Caden pointed out. Humans first? Even this crazed idea in the faith? My father, who was smart and capable and on top of the pile in a lot of ways for humans before this, felt the squeeze. If he's feeling it, imagine what other people are experiencing. Anwar's voice rose up. I admire your audacity, Caden. It fits with what I saw you do on the streets today. The silver dragon shifter seemed to glide over to him on silent feet. His handsome face was wreathed in smiles, but his eyes were shadows. And I do agree that there is unrest out there due to inequality. But... Valeria stepped to his side then and handed Caden food and wine as he asked, But, Anwar? The silver dragon shifter's eyes narrowed. But there is another force that is making anger burn hotter, hatred seethe more readily, and even corrupting the minds of the faithful. A chill ran down Caden's spine. You mean there's an actual enemy, a singular enemy, that we can face to stop some of what's happening? Anwar nodded. It wants to enter this world, and needs death and chaos to do so. Its name is Behemoth. I hope you're enjoying Dragon's Reign so far. Dragon's Reign is free for you to enjoy, but not free for us to make. There is a whole team working with me for audio editing, artwork, graphic design, and custom music. Most YouTube channels and podcasts have sponsors and take ads, but because of the kind of content we make, we can't run ads or get sponsors. Instead, we have other ways you can support me and the team behind this gay romance audiobook. One easy way is to buy or borrow my books from Amazon. They are all gay romance set in alternative worlds with vampires or shifters and other magical beings. You may not know that even if you borrow books with your Kindle Unlimited subscription at Amazon, they are free for you, but they still earn us money. The books are published under the name Ex Aratari, which actually means wraith in Romanian. And if you love audiobooks, you can get professionally narrated versions of every one of my books on audible.com. The link to my author page is in the description below, as well as to the first book of the series I think you'll really like. Thank you so much for your support. People like you enable me and the team to keep writing these stories of gay romance, magic, monsters, and true love and producing this very fun podcast for everyone. Thank you. Thank you.